This is Radiate, the podcast that celebrates life and shines a light on life-restoring stories of organ, tissue, and eye donors, recipients, and information you need to know about donation. Welcome back to Radiate. This is episode 24. I'm Audrey Coleman, your host. Thank you for joining us today. Dorothy Ballard's transplant story begins more than 20 years ago. In May of 2000, she was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy and was placed on the waiting list for a heart transplant in February 2002. Just five months later, on July 29, 2002, she received her new heart at Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis. Dorothy was an advocate of donation prior to receiving her transplant. She said her mission is to promote awareness about organ donation and to encourage the general public and her family to register as donors and to help them to understand the miracle that can happen through organ donation. And she has received volunteer training through Aurora, sharing her compelling story of her illness and recovery through transplantation. Dorothy, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, Thank you for having me. Very happy to have you today and especially excited because you are about to celebrate the 20th anniversary of your heart transplant. Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) So would you mind taking us back to the beginning of your story? How did you learn that you were ill? Um... Well, actually, uh, there's a little bit of history there. Uh, I have four brothers who, well, had four brothers who had muscular dystrophy. And uh, back doing genetic testing back in the 70s of my family, I found out at that point that I was a 99% carrier of muscular dystrophy. Of course, it, it took some time for it to manifest, but prior to uh, uh, it manifesting uh, with me, it did with my mother, who was around 42 years old at the time. Uh, she was a 99% carrier too. And, uh, and I, it, it manifested with me when I was 43 years old. Um, of course, now all four of my brothers are deceased. And when my mother and I found out that we were carriers, it affected our heart, mm-hmm. uh, not all of our muscles, uh, like it did my brothers. And of course, my mother was not a candidate for uh, heart transplantation because of other underlying health issues. But I was. I was... Um, at the time, I uh, I worked out. I had a really taxing job where uh, I traveled around the country uh, because my job required it. So, um, and one morning um, when I got to work, I uh, got out of my car and headed across the parking lot uh, to my office. Well, before I made it to the building. Uh, I started feeling uh, very faint, uh, weak, and I had a really irregular heart palpitation. 
Mm-hmm. And by the time I made it to my desk, um, I almost fell. Mm-hmm. But I was able to grasp the corner of my desk, and that kept me from falling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point, uh, because of that aggressive experience, I knew that it was important that I called my doctor right away. Of course, yes. So at that point, so at that point, did you know that it was the um, muscular dystrophy that was causing that issue? Is that what what was causing the heart issue? I had no idea at that time, but yes, Mm -hmm. it was. And it only affected your heart, no other parts of your body. Absolutely. Right. So that must have been quite difficult. So you you you're at you're at the the your office and you essentially fall ill. So of course that had to have been a difficult experience, but so you contacted your your doctor and then what happened after that? Um well the, my doctor was our family doctor mm-hmm. and he um pretty much knew right away what was uh, happening to me because uh, of taking care of my mother. Right. And, uh, and after that, you know, we got in, um, I got in to see the doctor and sure enough, it was confirmed uh, that that was the uh, issue that I was having with my health. Now, how long ago was that when that occurred? How long prior to you receiving your your heart transplant did that occur? Uh, it occurred in, um, I believe it was May of 2000. No, I think it was May of 2000. Okay, so, so you've, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to uh, check that date with you. I believe it was to May of 2000. So, so you, so did, so you began experiencing symptoms, what, about two years prior to your transplant? Is that right? Yeah, well, yes, absolutely. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I'm guessing that over the course of time, things began to, um, progress, not, not in a good way, but that your symptoms, I'm, I'm guessing, became um, more significant as time went on? Yes, they did. And as a matter of fact, um, as I mentioned previously, um, the job that I was doing at that time at the Arkansas Department of Health required for me to travel uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and by the grace of God, each time I got ready to travel after my diagnosis and after I continued to the climb, it was a time that um, my doctor would not allow me to fly. Mm, So, mm -hmm. uh, and that happened, that continued to happen consistently Mm -hmm. uh, until well, let me just say it like this. I, I continue to decline. So so you're you're de- continuing to decline. And I'm, I'm, I suppose at some point your doctor said, you know, there, there's only one treatment 
available to you that's going to really change your life or change your health, improve your health? Is that what happened? Did they essentially say you, you've got to have a heart transplant? There's no other treatment. Well, over time, um, uh, well, o- over time, uh, that's what happened. I had uh, several episodes of congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the last one that I remember having uh, prior to um, uh, getting the prognosis um, that I would have to have a heart transplant, it was a, a bad one. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, I believe I, I came close to expiring during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I uh, woke up in the hospital, my husband was there and all of my family and all of my dear friends. So I'm, I'm thinking that they, uh, you know, the doctor really did not expect me to pull through. The, yes. And then, uh, of course, I was hospitalized at that time. And and after, you know, they ran um, a battery of tests and, and whatever they needed to do to find out just what um, ejection fraction um, number I had. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I had declined to 10% at that time. And that's when um, uh, I received the news that I would need to have a heart transplant. I had instructions um, there in the hospital that I needed to um, visit um, um, the hospital to see if I was a good candidate for a heart transplant. And of course, that was over uh, several months, um, I had to travel to St. Louis, Missouri, uh, to have those tests and to uh, for the doctors to determine uh, that I was a good uh, candidate. Right. So, j- just for our audience's clarification, you, you mentioned ejection fraction, and for those who might not be aware, that's that's a, a, a method of determining how well the heart is pumping blood. Correct. Yes, and I mentioned uh, I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, mm-hmm. and what that actually means is that there was a weakening of the left side of my heart. And um, and as we mentioned, the ejection fraction rate um, uh, at that point, well, I, I believe when I was first diagnosed, I had about a, oh, if I make no mistake, a 35% um, ejection fraction rate, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. My heart was functioning there, and and not very long after that, I got all the way down to ten percent. So I'm, I'd like to go back to the moment that you were describing a few a few minutes ago, where you talked about waking up in the hospital after having been very ill 
um, you were still ill, but you had fallen very ill and were taken to the hospital. Um, and you awoke to see your close friends, your family around you. Can you can you remember what that moment was like, what you were thinking or imagining in that moment? Well, I really don't know. And, and let me tell you why I say that. Uh, I had been given some medication, uh, I guess, to calm me, you know, and mm-hmm. have me rest some. Well, I was allergic to it. Oh. And it had me just wild and, you know, trying to uh, get off the garney, just, 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 just out of my mm-hmm. head and mm-hmm. feeling like I needed to get out. Um, so I was feeling like that. But earlier, that is the same day, though, um, I had gone to see my PCP mm-hmm. uh, because I, I was in uh, congestive heart failure again. And um, he sent me over to the hospital. Well, I had to drive myself that day. Oh and, tr- and trying to get in to the hospital, it was very difficult. Um, I practically, um, I don't know how to, how to say this, but I was moving along the wall, you know, um, really slow and uh, just not able to breathe very well or even stand. Uh, and I was, I wondered why he didn't just have them transport me to the hospital. Yes. I was, I was thinking something um, similar. So, so essentially you were just being supported by the wall as you're trying to make your way into the hospital. Yes. So I'm guessing eventually you did. I'm hoping that at some point someone came and assisted you to get you to where you needed to be. Um, they did, uh, but I was so sick that day. I just don't remember actually what all transpired. Oh, of course not. Of course. So was that, was that the, the sickest that you were before receiving your transplant? Yes. So once that happened, um, at that point, now you were, you were in, in Little Rock, you, you're here in Little Rock. So they're, they're, I'm sure that some of our, our audience are probably wondering how it is that you ended up at Barnes-Jewish Hospital in St. Louis. And when you talked about the doctor sending you to the hospital, I'm guessing that was not to St. Louis. That was to a hospital here in Arkansas. Is that correct? Yes, that was uh, to St. Vincent Hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and when... Um, the doctors um, determined that I would need to have a heart heart transplant. Of course, uh, my insurance they wanted me to be in a in a heart transplant center mm-hmm. with a with a high survival rate. So my insurance um, uh, would not pay here in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and the That's nearest um, transplant center to me was in St. Louis. Um, you know, it takes uh, six hours to drive, but yes. uh, when I got notified that they had a good heart for me, 
uh, I had a three hour window uh, to get yes. to specialists. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you can't drive that. They didn't want me flying. When I say they, the doctors, right. they didn't want me flying commercial air. Mm-hmm. So uh, what uh, my husband and I had to do was charter a small plane. And oh, that got me there uh, in an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. Uh, And of of course, when we arrived at the gate, the ambulance was already there. Of course. Yes. Oh, that's, uh, well, I don't think that I have ever heard anyone um, share that aspect of your story before, that you actually had to charter a flight to get to the hospital in time for your transplant. Um, Because, as, as you said, there is a very small window a relatively small window around when, um, how long a heart can be outside of the body and remain healthy. And that's only four hours. So you need it to be there in three hours. So that makes, that makes perfect sense. So, so you get there. And um, so, so what do you call, what do you recall happening after you landed at the airport, the ambulance is there, rushes you to the hospital. Can you remember much beyond that? Um. I can. As a matter of fact, um, that day, um, I was at St. Vincent Hospital um, having uh, cardiac rehab. And it's, of course, uh, supervised by medical staff. I had taken a fall that day. Mm. Uh, I was um, on the treadmill, but uh, I was very exerted. And, and I just took a fall. And, um, and of course, my vitals were not very good at all at that time. And, and the nurses there tried to uh, get them stable, but they couldn't. So they wrote the numbers down and told me that as um, soon as I get home uh, to call the transplant office, give them those numbers. Um, and uh, and let me say this too, I had to wear um, a life pager, uh, and I couldn't go within fifty uh, miles from my home. Mm-hmm. But after I had worn that life pager all those months, the one day that I needed it is the day that I forgot it. Oh my and that's goodness! When I had that fall, and that's when they located a heart for me. And they exhausted every number we had. And oh my gosh. Some, somehow they had my husband's pager number and mm-hmm. we got a page. And when I saw the area code 314, I knew, you knew. it was St. Louis. <laughs> yes. And that's when they informed me, Miss Ballard, we need you here. We have a good heart for you. And everything started happening real fast that day. And uh, and when I was um, being transported to the hospital in St. Louis, of course, um, the medical team, it was the small plane. So I think it was about two of them. But anyway, one of them stayed on the phone with the doctors there until we arrived at the at the um, at the airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and what, the ambulance was there at the gate, and there were two um, medics. I I guess that's what they were, uh, who who were um, 
transporting me. And they got lost mm. <laughs> in the hospital. Before oh, no. Where I was going. <laughs> and of course, I was anxious, you know, and of everything course. was just all up in the air. Yes, so of course. I asked them if I could please get off the gurney. And I walked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're on your way to get your heart transplant and you get off the gurney and walk to the OR. (laughs) (laughs) That is not a transplant story we hear every day. (laughs) I was just so anxious and and everything. Of course. Um, And I I don't know, I, I just couldn't stand them being lost with me. You know, it kind of um, made me even more anxious. Oh, understandable. And frustrated with them. Of course. I figured they should know where to take me. <laughs> well, that's an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally get you, though, to where you're supposed to be. You, I'm, I, I can't imagine the look on the surgeon's face when you came walking into the <laughs> OR area. <laughs> But 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 they finally get you to where you need to be. And so the next thing you probably remember is waking up. Well, no. Um, no. OK, great. Uh, More I details. Could, you know, things happen so fast. Mm-hmm. You know, I was not able to notify my daughter. You know, she was working and oh, my goodness. all of that. And anyway, mm-hmm. uh, when I got there, the nurses up until the moment. They were ready to take me to, you know, into the operating room. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to contact my daughter. And when they, um, oh, at the very last minute before I got in there, uh, they did get a hold of my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to, you know, talk to her. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. None of us sure. Of course. You know? and well, you were helpful. Yes, yes, hopeful, prayerful, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, so when I did get inside the OR, it was warm in there. Hmm. So they had to wait until they could get the room at the proper temperature. <laughs> wow. You no, know, in order to, um, I guess, uh, do the surgery, take care mm-hmm. of me. And during that time while we were waiting uh, for that to happen, I had a chance to talk to God, you know, just to um, pour out my heart to him. I had a chance and I was thankful I had a chance to do that. And I was so grateful and thankful to God that he allowed me to speak to my daughter first, you know, before they did that. So, you know, I have talked to um many transplant recipients over the years and and frequently they, they will talk about a memory they have of um, shortly after awaking from their surgery where they're able to do something that they were unable to do prior to having their transplant. For instance, maybe they couldn't take a deep breath before or they couldn't, um, you know, they, they just couldn't breathe easily or maybe they were unable to, to stand do you recall any particular moment where you thought, oh, my gosh, I can tell I feel better already after having received your transplant? Actually, 
um, I did feel better, but uh, what happened is I did not know that after transplant, you needed to slowly get up and stand, you know, before, you know, to allow your heart to get in rhythm with you. Mm -hmm. Well, I was getting up and trying to go on about what I was doing, and I was feeling so frustrated because at times I felt like I was still sick. But uh, I just I just didn't know. You know, uh, the team told me a lot. I'm talking about at the hospital, but they can't remember everything, you know. Of course. And I had no idea that that's what was happening. The reason I was still not not feeling good. So you were, are you saying you were overexerting yourself? I, I was. And, and when I heard, uh, I don't know whether I was, whether the doctor said it or I was at, um, well, I don't, I, I just don't know. But uh, when I first got home, that's what I was experiencing. So at some point, how, how long do you think it was before you began to feel normal? Or, you know, or you felt that you had the ability and the strength to do just the normal things that you would do, clean the house or make dinner or go to work, any of those things? Uh, well, it was, it was quite a long time. Um, and I say that because one of the issues, um, uh, one of the things they had to find out was um, if... Let me back up. I had what they called high pulmonary pressures, you know, um, and and what the heart transplant uh, doctor had to do was to determine if we got into transplant, if they would be able to reverse that process. And of course, that depended on whether or not I would go on the list too. Mm -hmm. uh, well, they were able to do it, but we knew on the front end, that I would have a difficult time. And, uh, and what I mean by that, uh, some of the people who were transplanted at the same time I was, they were going home uh, to the hospital lodge within three, three to five days. Mm -hmm. Well, there I was in intensive care 19 days. Oh. So uh, I, you know, it was a, it was a bit, uh, you know, of a complication, mm -hmm. uh, but the Lord got me through that, too. Um, so I stayed in St. Louis a total of 30 days. And uh, and I was not able to have company or have small children around. Mm -hmm. um, let me see. I was uh, it was four months, you know, before it was OK. Okay. Uh, to, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and to get back to church. But other than that, it was just um, uh, a, a, a recovery time for me. Right. And, um, and after I was transplanted for a long time, months, I felt like I was carrying a, uh, a ton of bricks in my chest. Mm. It just felt heavy, heavy mm -hmm. too. So I was like that for a while. And um, 
I, I wanted to ask you have if you've had have you had the opportunity to meet any of your um, donors family? Yes, um, I met my heart donor's mother. She was the only one that I met. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took her 12 years to decide to meet me. I wanted to meet her. I, I kept writing her and writing her. And she finally answered me after 12 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a bit disappointed about it. Um, but um, I asked her when we got together. I met her in Memphis. And we had lunch together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I always wondered why it took her so long to respond to me. And what she said to me is that you were saying thank you to me, but you didn't mention anything about God. And I told her uh, I was instructed I could not put that in my letters. Uh, and if I did, it would be taken out. Mm-hmm. And and I uh, reassured her that uh, I knew it was the it was the miracle working power of God that made her daughter's heart available to me. So she was concerned that maybe um, you had different spiritual perspectives. Yes, and I think um, uh, those folks who who coordinate the process of uh, donors and and organ recipients. Uh, meeting each other, it was more them uh, than anybody else because uh, you have no idea of knowing uh, what faith people are, you know, or even whether or not they even believe in God. So they will not allow you to say anything like that in your correspondence um, to the donor. Yes, and so donor family members and 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 recipients who are corresponding with each other are advised to not provide any personal information, um, and so that that does any uh, religious information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but you did have the opportunity to meet to meet, um, and you said that was about twelve years after. After I was transplanted, yes. You know, in, in planning uh, this event, the, the living celebration of life, of course, I wanted to invite her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had not been in touch uh, for a long while. And uh, unfortunately, she had passed away. Um, and so it sorry. broke my heart. I, I wanted her, uh, you know, if she could. Um, to share in this event. But I have one funny thing to say. My daughter had bought me all new um, uh, personal garments. She had several um, new pajama sets and gowns. And one day I went in my suitcase and after a while, I kept going in my suitcase. And my daughter said, Mom, when they call you, you're not going to have a thing in that suitcase. My <laughs> daughter was right. <laughs> the day I got notified, all of it was in the dryer. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. History and I was so frantic and rushing around. <laughs> my sister Pat, all of those went <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> My daughter and I had the biggest laugh. She said, I told you. And when she came to see me, I was transplanted on Monday and she didn't get to see me and bring the kids that I could only wave to, you know, Uh um, until that Saturday. But boy, we had the biggest laugh. She said, my mama takes me stuff home. And I'm going to send you something back that you can use. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Stay out of the suitcase. <laughs> well, so, so okay, so you started talking about something that, that actually I wanted to, to ask you about now. And that is what we talked about at the very beginning that you just alluded to. And that's about that you're about to have a 20th anniversary celebration that is so exciting i could just see your face is just so illuminated (laughs) tell us about that it's 20 years it's 20 years to the day yes july 29 20 me 2002 Mm -hmm. and i'm celebrating on my hard birthday um july 29 22. And I thought, boy, uh, will that, I mean, does that ever happen? That is so wonderful. Well, first of all, congratulations. Um, That has got to be one of the best birthday anniversary celebrations that you've ever had. So tell us, tell us what you're planning for that evening. Um, Well, uh, first of all, um, I have invited uh, friends and family, uh, those who love me, uh, extended family, uh, those who have walked out the journey from beginning to end Mm -hmm. with me, uh, inviting all those folks. And three things are going to happen that evening. I will give my testimony and then I will have someone uh, from Aurora Mm-hmm. to uh, to present. And after he does, uh, someone, um, the director of development uh, for the American Heart Association, she will present. And then there will be an opportunity uh, for people to, those who want to give expressions of love and encouragement, mm-hmm. there will be an opportunity for them to do that. Uh, and the other thing that's going to happen we're going to have a sit-down dinner that will be. Yay. <laughs> I'll bet a lot of a lot of people will be looking forward to that. I know. Yes, and we will have a photographer, mm-hmm. and and not only that, we will have a videographer. Oh, and great! I wanted this event to be well documented. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's going to take place at my church, which is uh, important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I'm thankful I have that support uh, from my church. Of course. And also, one of my pastors is going to um, do the, uh, the opening prayer mm-hmm. and the blessing of the food. So I'm happy he and his wife are going to be there. I have old people, old co-workers, 
uh, new ministry friends. It's just going to be a, a, a real host of people, and it'll be very special. Well, I cannot tell you how happy we are that you have chosen to include us in your celebration as well. So we are very much looking forward to being there with you on, the, on that date to celebrate as well. So thank You're you very right. much for inviting us. If you have any questions for us, please call 501-907-9150. And if you're ready to make a life restoring decision and register to become an organ, tissue and eye donor, go to donatelifearkansas.org. Radiate is a production of Aurora and is hosted by Audrey Coleman, Aurora's Director of Communications. 